0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The gospel readings for this Sunday and for next Sunday are very closely connected. In fact, uh, next Sunday's gospel reading follows immediately after the verses that we just read today from Matthew chapter 18. And there's a, a close connection between those two sections. And in this Sunday's gospel reading, uh, we see Jesus teaching that. He wants us to to make our mission as his followers the same as his mission. To use all of our our energy and to be motivated from our heart to seek and to save lost sinners. Just as, as he so passionately did, willing to bear the suffering and the shame of the cross for our salvation. Next Sunday in the Gospel reading, we see Jesus emphasizing the necessity of forgiveness for a Christian. So just as Jesus wants us to call uh, an erring brother or sister, an unrepentant brother or sister to call them to repentance, so also Jesus wants us to be willing, gladly, to forgive them from the heart, just as we have been forgiven by Jesus. In our reading for today, we see that Jesus explains, uh, kind of indirectly, the attitude that he has toward sinners. And that he wants us as his followers also to have as well. Jesus looked at, at the whole world as a community of lost souls, people who are lost in sin because of their rebellious attitudes against God and against God's commandments. And so Jesus expresses multiple times during the in the gospel books of the Bible. That his mission was not to be served, was not to enjoy comfort and glory and honor while he was living visibly here on this earth, but that his mission was to seek and to save lost sinners. That his mission was not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To rescue lost sinners from the consequences of their sin and rebellion to bring lost sinners back into the family of God through faith in him as the Savior. And so the first thing that Jesus' disciples needed to learn was that the church of Jesus has an open-door policy. There is no sign on the door saying, Restricted. Only certain people may enter here once you've met these criteria. There's nothing in the bylaws of Jesus' church that says that some people are to be invited to join the church, but others are not. Jesus' invitation, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That invitation was sent to every single person because all of us have sinned. We are all loaded down by the burden of the guilt of our sins. So That means that the church of Jesus is, was to be open to all for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god the apostle paul writes in romans chapter 3 but pride runs deep in the human heart pride makes us feel that we and other people who are like us are better than other people who are different from us in some way and as we might to avoid this attitude of pride this kind of pride still also tries to poke its ugly head even in the church we sometimes let ourselves fall into the trap of talking or behaving perhaps only subconsciously in a way that might cause other people to think well they don't really care enough about me to try even to make me feel like i belong here I suppose that means that they don't really want me here in their church. Jesus kept discovering feelings of pride and exclusion all over the place. The church people of his day frowned and and grumbled against him when he brought a despised tax collector into their group. A tax collector who who virtually all of them at that time were cheats, uh, skimming off the top, taking more in taxes for themselves than they were supposed to be collecting. And the church people of Jesus' day practically had a fit when Jesus pronounced forgiveness on a woman who was publicly known to have been living a life of prostitution. But this is precisely the point that Jesus wanted to make. That the kingdom Jesus came to establish was wide open to sinners With no membership restrictions. The only restriction, if you even want to call it that, was that you have to be a sinner. You have to confess that you are a sinner who needs forgiveness. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And of course, that ends up being no restriction at all, because as we said, As God's word clearly tells us again and again, everyone is a sinner. Maybe just in different ways, not all in the same way, but we all have sinned against God's command. And and, and we daily sin much, whether in our actions or our words or the, the thoughts and desires of our hearts. This is not an easy lesson for us to learn because our sinful heart seems to be naturally prejudiced, naturally exclusivist, naturally segregationist, we all seem to have something inside of us that finds pleasure in belonging to a group that other people can't join. And if perhaps we protest that, well, that's not the case for me, I don't feel that way, well, that could be because we may not have honestly examined our inner feelings. And confess them honestly. The open door policy is basic to what the Church of Jesus Christ is meant to be today. We don't understand the Church unless we understand that its basic and primary task is to go out into the world and to seek to save the, the sinners wh- whom we find wherever we go in the world. We don't understand what it means for each one of us as individuals to be a Christian. Unless unless we have within us that same drive and passion that Jesus had to bring his saving call to the people that we meet in our daily lives. Jesus calls us to be always seeking to save the sinner who has not yet found his way through the open door into the Savior's church. What about a fellow Christian who is falling back into the ways of unrepented sin, in danger of losing his faith in Jesus as Savior. In effect, jumping back into the deadly floodwaters from which he had been so graciously rescued by God previously when God had called him to faith in Jesus as the Savior. Some people might suggest, and and the easy thing to do is to think, just let them go. Maybe they'll come back eventually. If they don't appreciate salvation more than that, just let them go. Well, that may sound reasonable and it certainly appeals to our uh, very often innate desire to want to avoid confrontation at all costs. Maybe you've even heard or had a thought or, or said something like that about someone yourself. But Jesus says here in Matthew 18 that that is not the spirit of Christianity. And then he proceeds to make that very plain in what he teaches. Just as he wants us to go all out with the unbeliever for his kingdom, to win souls, to bring them to faith in Jesus as the Savior, so he also wants us to go all out to save the sinner who has already come into his kingdom through faith in Jesus, but is now in danger of falling away because of unrepented sin. And we understand, of course, that that saving is not something that we can do. Saving is God's work alone. Salvation, ultimately, is what Jesus accomplished by his death on the cross, which paid the full price for the forgiveness of all of our sins. And bringing someone to faith in Jesus as the Savior is something that only the Holy Spirit can do. But God tells us that we Christians are his instruments. Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. You may have heard the title of that book. God uses us to speak his word of law and gospel. God's call to repentance is spoken by us, his people. And he calls us not only to speak that to the unbelieving world around us, but also to speak it to each other as we need to hear it. And here are the steps that we should follow according to Jesus from our reading. First, he says, go and speak to the sinning brother or sister, just between the two of you, in private. Don't talk to anybody else about it. First, go and talk one-on-one to that brother or sister. And we pray before we go and while we go, while we are talking with them, we pray that they will say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be wonderful if every time uh, we talk to a brother or sister who has fallen into unrepented sin, that they respond in that way? And if they do, then, like the prophet Nathan, when he confronted King David, the most powerful man in the country, in the, the terrible sins that David had committed, and David confessed his sin. Nathan was able to speak words of comfort The Lord has taken away your sin. And if they repent, we speak those words of forgiveness, then we forget about that sin and we resume our relationship with them as if nothing had ever happened. But what if they don't repent? Well, then we begin to be more concerned because their status in the kingdom of God is then in serious jeopardy because of their refusal to repent of their sins. And so we try again, and we may try again with that first step multiple times, going again to them one-on-one, if they will have us, uh, are willing to speak with us again one-on-one, going in love and humility, admitting that, that we are not perfect, that we need this forgiving love of God. And that if if the shoe were on the other foot, we would want them to come to us and lovingly call us to repentance for our sins. But if the person continues to refuse to repent, then Jesus says the next step is to take one or two fellow Christians along with us to talk to that unrepentant person. And we pray that with those one or two additional people along, united together in calling that person to repentance, that those voices joined together will break through and have an impact. And then, again, if that brother or sister repents, then the two or three will joyfully assure them of the full forgiveness of their sin through Jesus their Savior. And again, if that sinning brother or sister repents, then the two or three will forgive and forget about that sin and resume their prior relationship as if none of this had ever happened before. But if the person still refuses to repent, and again, perhaps those two or three people try multiple times to go to that person and in love and humility call them to repentance, but if they still refuse to repent, then Jesus says to bring the situation before the whole church. note that jesus emphasis again is on helping saving and ultimately restoring that erring brother or sister will that individual unrepentant sinner be able to resist the pleading of the entire church praying for him reaching out to him or her encouraging them to repent of their sin hopefully such loving concern from the entire congregation can loosen that grip of sin that holds the unrepentant person in its vice and cause him or her to hear the voice of Jesus calling, Come home, come home. And again, if that person repents, then what joy it will be for the whole congregation to assure them of the forgiveness of their sin through Jesus and to welcome them back as a full member of the congregation again and then, again, resume their prior relationship with that person as if nothing had ever happened. But it's only after all such efforts to save that unrepentant brother or sister, only after all such efforts have failed, that the church must finally reluctantly admit he or she has let himself or herself get lost in sin again. But notice that even in this extreme situation, the Lord doesn't say, you can now stop your efforts in trying to save this person. No, basic, fundamental to the whole attitude of Christians is that that effort and that desire to save the lost sinner never stops. We may have to tell someone in that situation, by your persistent impenitence, you have put yourself outside of the kingdom of God. But then we follow that up by saying, we pray that this is only for a time. And in the meantime, we will keep on trying to be God's instruments to bring you back to faith in Jesus again. But finally, as we have looked at those steps that Jesus speaks, that he instructs us about how to deal with an unrepentant brother or sister within the church or someone that we know, Finally, another category of person for whom this attitude of always seeking to save the lost sinner is very important. And that sinner is myself. The sinner within me is a constant subversive force working from within, trying to destroy my faith and thus disrupt my saving relationship with Jesus. And the traditional term for this sinner within myself is the old Adam or the sinful nature. All of us who, by God's grace and by the Holy Spirit's converting activity of our lives, who have come into the saving kingdom of Jesus, have now received a new Christian nature, which we sometimes call the, the new man, the new self. As the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. So this new man or new self within us imprints us with these basic Christian trademarks that we see in today's Gospel reading and that we'll uh, read more about in next Sunday's Gospel reading. The, The basic fundamental attitude of loving the lost enough to call them to repentance to confront them in love and humility when they have fallen into unrepented sin. And loving them enough to fully and freely forgive them when they repent of their sins. We must admit that even when we are, when we are bringing that word of forgiveness to our fellow men, whether outside the church or inside it, we also are daily sinning much and deserving God's wrath and judgment ourselves. Nevertheless, we are also hearing daily God's word of forgiveness through Jesus our Savior. And that same gospel message that we proclaim to others is also addressed to each one of us. It's a marvelously comforting and cheering message. That same message of reconciliation that saves the outsider and brings him into the family of God and that saves the, and rescues the backsliding Christian and keeps him in God's kingdom, that same message of forgiveness also saves you and me daily from our own sins. So it's no wonder then that Christians can go about their daily business with a buoyant spirit, with a confident heart and with a happy voice. Are we sinners? Yes, indeed we are. But thank God that by the miracle of saving grace, our lives have been changed, our souls have been rescued, our hearts and minds have brought in conformity with his will. And so is our way of life affected? How could it not be changed totally by the forgiving love of God? Indeed, the deep yearning of our heart is the same as Jesus, to bring this message of salvation and transformation to other people. That is our trademark as Christians. That basic fundamental attitude of seeking to save lost sinners is imprinted in all of our daily life and conversation and and thoughts and attitudes. People who, who interact with us soon notice that here, as a community of followers of Jesus who are continually going about the business of saving souls, as Jesus has called us to. So may God help us to carry out this mission with love and faithfulness for the salvation of many souls. Amen.